Hello there. Uh, happy midweek. This is Lindsay, your host of Life Through A Distorted Lens. I wanted to put this podcast out early as I'm going to be out of town for a couple of weeks here. Uh, and I won't have time to put my podcast out on its, on its usual Friday. And um, yeah, whenever I interview these lovely women for the most part so far, uh, I really feel an urgency to put out the podcast, you know, uh, like ASAP instead of waiting until Friday because this is just, I feel like this information just doesn't need to wait any longer than it needs to. You know, I know that it's like good to stick to an algorithm and s- stay to that one day where you upload your stuff, but uh, fuck it. Like, I don't really care because like I said, it's just, this is important stuff. So this week I have on the incredible knowledgeable, amazing Shiro, which is a hero, she, get it, uh, Coach Linda Blade. Let me pull up my thing here. Coach Linda Blade is a sports performance coach, PhD in kinesthesiology, CHPC and TNF. I actually don't know what that means. I should have asked her, but what else? Uh, hmm. Um, who develops athletes, mentors, coaches, thrives on innovation, and honors positive nation builders. And honestly, without further ado, let's get into it. Today, I have on the amazing coach, Linda Blade. It's an honor, and how about we just launch right into it? Linda, let's get going. Tell us about you. Well, hello. It's uh, totally my honor to be on your program, Lindsay, and I am uh, just so grateful for any opportunity to speak on the issue of um, gender identity and sports and and women's sports. Um, You know, I write this at this moment, I am a coach in Canada, and I I am president of Athletics Alberta, which is the um, uh, track and field association up here in Canada. But um, I have, I've got a scholarship title nine in the States at University of Maryland, back in the 80s. And Title IX is so important to me because my life just would not be what it is right now without having had that opportunity. So I'm very grateful to the women of the USA who fought for the right to have special, um, you know, zones of female-only sports and special, like, equal privileges and rights as the men do. And um, somewhere in between there, between me having a scholarship and going to University of Maryland and being a coach up here in Canada, I was even an international lecturer and I worked with World Athletics doing courses for Muslim women in in Islamic countries. And um, so one of my famous trips was going into Tehran, Iran in 1995. You know, I had to put on the, the veil, the hijab and go and teach women how to coach the girls. And I know how hard, I mean, in every culture, Women have to work so hard at at just having the access to sport and to the facilities. And, and so when I became president of Athletics Alberta here in this province up in Canada, um, which was in 2014, um, you know, I had to be involved in policy discussions about sports. And so I was at a national meeting in 2018 where all of a sudden we were told that you know, it's a proposed policy that we should allow to male athletes, people who are born male, who identify as women, we should just accept them into women's sports without any questions. And I mean, it just hit me like a sucker punch to the gut because I thought there's no way that's fair. And, you know, 
having been an athlete and even national champion, uh, I was in the heptathlon and, you know, I competed with Jackie Joni Kersey. And I mean, I competed with the top women in the world. And in those days, we were always being tested. Like, you know how many times I had to pee in a cup just to test whether I was cheating, like taking drugs. And, you know, it just so much effort was put into making sure sport was being fair. And, um, you know, if I were to dope, and even as a top athlete, it would have given me maybe a nine, 10% advantage. But to have a male body in a female sport would be up to like a 50% advantage. And so that what these leaders were telling us essentially was um, doping equals bad, which is 9% better. But males in female sports is good, which is like 50% in improvement. So it just was so bizarre. I just couldn't make heads or tails of it. And so that was like in 2018. And so by now in 2021, I've now been sort of trying to wrap my head around this for the last three years. And frankly, most people will know me as Coach Blade at Coach Blade on Twitter. And the reason I actually started tweeting a lot was because I, I was trying to have private meetings and do this sort of the right way, you know, go through the government bureaucracy and do it the right way through all the right backroom channels. But nobody would listen to me. Nobody would listen to me. So I felt like even if they did listen to me, it's sort of like the old obligatory, you know, yeah, yeah, we get it. But, you know, we really can't do anything about this. So, I mean, I really thought, you know what, I am I the only one going crazy here? Or so I just kind of started putting out little things on Twitter, just like to see is anybody else having to deal with this? Like what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how we all kind of get into this thing is like, we all feel like we're doing this alone. And then we start gaining friends and the colleagues and start sharing our stories. And the one inspiring thing of all this, to be honest, Lindsay is, um, this is the first woman's movement in history where we do get to talk to each other. Um, it's really exciting to see what might happen with that. That's a great point. Yeah. So true. So, uh, yeah, empowering and amazing. I've, yeah, I've had so many doors shut in my face in terms of friends, but mm -hmm. man, a double have opened with each person that has technically dropped me as a human. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's a wonderful point. Just how much more powerful we can be in numbers and just listen to each other and slightly having the ability to speak about this, even though we are, a lot of us are being removed from various platforms, Twitter, Discord, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, mm -hmm. TikTok. I mean, everything. It's, it's, it's insane. I don't think enough people hear about that as well. So I want you to do a big blog post or documentary about just the women being silenced, really. But yeah, well, and I mean, the thing is, um, we're just beginning. Like, this yeah. is only the beginning. If they think that a few little cancellations are going to make us shut up and go away, this is just, <laughs> this isn't going to work. I mean, no. we are the, I always say that women, like we're the concrete, we're the cement of society. I mean, the in general, like we're the ones who talk. If you talk to any family or any, I know this is stereotype, but if you talk to any married couple, it's almost always the women who you know, they plan the social activities or they invite people over for dinner or they talk to their neighbors and they figure out what's going on. I mean, we are the glue. And I mean, there's just no way that you're going to shut us down. Like, there's no way that's going to happen. It's not going to last. 
you know, they're trying, but uh, if you yeah. remove us from one platform, we'll just go to another. Like, exactly. Whatever. Um, and we have options. Like, we can yeah. start talking to each other on telephone and we can text. I mean, what yeah. are they thinking? Like, it's just going to make us all ignore the obvious for yeah, yeah, a decade? Yeah. yeah, it's a, I don't get it either. I'm like, this has to inevitably wind up failing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna launch into some questions because I sure. definitely have quite a few here, um, really good ones. First one is, uh, can you outline the Olympic Committee policy in respect mm -hmm. to the transgender athletes? What does the Olympics think about all this? Okay, can I give you a quick historical progression? Yes, please, absolutely. Okay. So, until 1996, there was what they called gender testing. So, in other words, there were different ways in which when women showed up to the Olympic games, they had a little bit of an exam or something that would say that they were truly women. And mm -hmm. in my day, like earlier on, it was quite, sometimes the measures were a little bit embarrassing. And obviously like <laughs> you hear this, the most extreme horror stories are of course, back in the sixties, maybe there was one Olympics where they had to be the nude parade be before the, before the doctor or something. So oh. to see that everybody was a woman, but by the time, um, I was, you know, in competing internationally. That's not how it worked at all. Um, what you did was you just got a quick, um, took a Q-tip and they did a cheek swab. So they just put the Q-tip inside your, your cheek. And then they took a little swab of the sort of the skin cells on your cheek. And then they would put that through a test. And what they were testing for was these little objects. Like you have two X chromosomes in the body and every cell has like an active sex, uh, active X chromosome and the other X chromosome goes into this little ball. So it's called a bar body. And so they were looking for the bar bodies. So, um, but those thought that test turned out <clears throat> to not be quite as maybe accurate as it should have been yet. You know, sometimes there were false, false, uh, negatives. So in other words, sometimes, um, the bar body wouldn't show up and they might assume that that person's a male then got the Y chromosome instead of another X chromosome. Um, but very, very rarely did they make a mistake. And even if that happened, they could do other kinds of testing. So in the Atlanta Olympics in 1996, they actually uh, offered a survey of all the female athletes saying, is this demeaning to you that we test your gender? And 80% of the women said, First of all, 80% said they wanted to keep having gender testing as a gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. And 96% of the women said it was not demeaning in the least. And they even published that study, that um, um, survey, they, they published it in Nature magazine. <clears throat> and um, so even though um, <clears throat> they actually, even though they actually did listen to the female athletes in terms of giving them uh, a survey, which they hardly ever do. Um, they didn't listen to us. They basically concluded in that same article in nature in 2000 that, oh, because this is so demeaning and potentially humiliating to female athletes, we'll stop gender testing. So they, they surveyed us, but they didn't actually believe us. And so they stopped the gender testing. And then right away in 2003, they admitted, um, they, they changed their policy uh, to include transsexuals, people who actually had surgery, they have had they had to have had surgery for for two years, and so there was the gatekeeping, which was the surgical requirement. They said very few people would go through that just to be in sports, so you have to believe them. That's you know transsexual male who uh, you know has a surgical transition. 
Um, and there were f a few of them showed up at that point, then started competing. But here's the thing. Back in the back rooms, the, the few transsexual, uh, the males who some of them had had surgery, and now they were complete castration and they had zero testosterone being produced by their removed testes, obviously. So they were finding it hard to compete. So um, or train because you need a certain amount. If you're male body, especially if your hormones, I mean, your genetics are male, you need a certain amount of testosterone to thrive, right? So because they weren't having natural forms of testosterone, um, they were having to inject testosterone to train. And then they were exceeding the medical limit of injected like exogenous testosterone. So they kept asking for these medical exemptions from the IOC and saying, look, we need to train, but we can't. So can we have an exemption? So I think what happened was the IOC just got tired of, offer, of, of having to deal with medical exemptions for transsexual males. So by 2015, they decided, no, no, forget about the surgery, forget about all this, just self-ID and live as a woman for a year and, and then try to keep your hormones level, your testosterone level below 10 nanomoles per liter. And which is like still eight nanomoles per liter higher than your average, you know, even the top female barely ever gets above two nanomoles per liter. So the males were coming from maybe like a normal male level would be like maybe 30 nanomoles per liter. And then they, they had to keep their levels under maybe 10. And then they called that sort of somehow equivalence that, that they, the IOC decided, oh, maybe that would be okay just to have them identify as women and live as a woman for a year. That was the other requirement. You had to live as a woman for a year, what whatever that, that means. Mean? How do you prove that? I really don't get that at all. Like, do you send a photo to the committee of you wearing a dress every day? Like, why do you prove that? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know. And it's just so disingenuous because, I mean, even if you were like, even if you sent a photo every day, like what man couldn't do that? And exactly. And I mean, and then to test themselves continuously for a year, a lot of it had to be their own testing. So you can actually, as Dr. Emma Hilton says from the UK says, like you can actually get, take certain kinds of drugs that take your testosterone levels to castration. Like you can take your testosterone down to castration level within 12 hours, take your test, take your test. And then after the test, your testosterone bounces back up to normal male levels again. So you could prove that you had 12, months in a row where you had tests where it showed your testosterone was down, but then the very next day it probably went back up again. And matter, yeah. if you train with, with, you know, uh, any kind of testosterone in your body as a male mm -hmm. by training, it boosts your testosterone further. So, um, what I find incredible is that instead of saying, look, we tried this with the transsexuals. So in 2003 for the IOC could have, should have just said no. In 2003, we thought we were just being fair and there were going to be so few and we tried to do the transsexual policy, but that's not working. So let's go back to female only. Instead of saying that, they just basically opened the gate and said, well, come on in then. So that's what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with an International Olympic Committee who, full of men who just feel like maybe the women's section is just there to take care of whatever uncomfortable problems because a transsexual male athlete is a male and they, maybe the men don't want to deal with it in their section. So let, let's make the women just deal with it. And I mean, in the meantime, though, I feel like, 
I feel like that's undermining the very Olympic brand. Like, who's going to watch the Olympics anymore, especially women's Olympics? Fucking joke. It's going to be a joke. People just turn the TV off. And um, so, yeah, like why? So I guess I feel like it's sad. It's sad on two levels because female athletes, you know, will be in sports where nobody's watching because nobody will take it seriously anymore. And then on the other hand, the Olympics themselves will be suffering, I think. In fact, why should I care about their brand? But we do because we want still to have a authentic Olympic Games. You know, so, I mean, it's it's almost like we feel like we're fighting hard to protect the Olympics and the integrity, and they're not even trying. That's a good point. Uh, what was the number you said that <clears throat> women can only get to, like, um, level two or number two? And Yeah, two. It's again? about two. That That's about the maximum. That's, like, the best woman athlete in the globe. Is, yeah, just – most they've ever been able to reach i guess well within that it's probably some get even higher but it what would be never again it's the 10 animals n mole n m o l per liter okay so there's a certain level that women sort of max out at hmm. um unless you have a certain condition and intersex or whatever and we can talk about that but hmm. there are um you know that's most women are within a certain range and it's much much lower than 10 animals per liter yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Um, let's go. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think you kind of covered that already. Can you go over the history with the policy changes of when they began to include trans athletes? I think you already said that. What, you said 2013. Well, yeah. Well, the the date, the key dates are um, basically 2000, uh, or basically 1996 is when they stopped. They decided to stop gender testing. That was the last Olympics where they did the gender testing, and then 2003 was the year they uh, brought in the transsexuals, allowing transsexuals, like people who undertook the surgery. And then 2015 consensus was then the final meeting where they said, well, let's just, let's just toss out the surgical requirement, just self ID. And, you know, we'll be all good with that. Thank you. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Um, next one. Do trans athletes have to disclose their biological sex within U S or worldwide? Like, is that a thing? Do they actually, well, they're, they're seen as an actual woman within the Olympics or I guess. See, that's where the, that's where the confusion comes in because if you're not going to gender test, then you, and you're just going to take people's words for it. Um, that's really no gatekeeping. And I mean, I feel like, you know, in most cases is pretty blatantly obvious. And in fact, the sport groups like track and field world athletics, when it came to, for example, Castor Semenya, who isn't transgender, Castor Semenya is different. There, the, Castor Semenya is is a intersex condition, which we can talk about. But you can talk but, about it now if you want. You don't have to wait because I think okay. It's really, really so perfect. I, I let me talk about that because that's the first thing that comes up. And trans, the trans activists always talk about Castor Semenya as if mm -hmm. Castor Semenya is their shining sort of example, which is not fair because Castor Semenya um, grew up in South Africa thinking um, she was a girl, even though um, at the end it's turned out that, you know, she has a karyotype of XY, which is male. Um, but that wasn't revealed very, you know, early on to anybody. So let me just back up and say intersex or differences in sexual development, the actual um, dis in disorder is, is that, even in a small, like let's say the intersex group is 0.02% of the population. So really tiny fragment. And it, it doesn't mean they're in between. It means 
you can have intersex male or you can have intersex female. And all it means is that you, let's say you were a male XY karyotype 46 XY. It just means that the genital development somehow went sideways a little bit. And so they, the genitals are sort of ambiguous. They don't look like a real fully, a full penis or, but the, you just have sort of a, sort of a developmental disorder, right? But you're still male fundamentally. And then there's people who are female fundamentally, XX chromosomes, but then maybe they, for, for whatever reason, had extra androgens in their body through the, in utero or something. And so um, the clitoris looks a little bit longer or whatever. So, so there's like this ambiguous thing. So these people have very unique needs and, um, intersex is, is not like, again, I wish it wouldn't be called that because it's not inter anything. It's, it's, you have, you're either a male that had a disorder or a female that had a disorder. And so, because we're struggling with how to include those people in an, in a sport, because a lot of, um, a lot of top females, like a higher percentage than you'd expect from the population are XX DSD who have a little bit of more androgens than most women. So we have to look at that. But what happens is because we're struggling with admitting intersex athletes in sport, the trans activists just say, well, there you go. Any man can identify as a woman, but it has nothing to do with a general, a, a, a person who has just been born and raised normally as a male who suddenly identifies as a female it has nothing to do with that. That person is actually male, right? And even with, unfortunately, with, with Semenya, um, I think World Athletics was just too scared back in 2010 to say, sorry, but you're a male and you shouldn't really be competing with the women. But they sort of soft pedaled it and said, well, we're not sure. It's ambiguous. So they let Semenya compete for years and years, which wasn't fair to the female athletes. But in the meantime, gained a big following and people felt really sorry for Semenya because what happened was in the background, certain officials within world track and field leaked the fact that, that this might actually be a male. It's not exactly a female. So, so there was a lot of, instead of having a, you know, really fair and, and sort of clear cut call back in 2010, the ambiguous nature of, and the, the rumors kept swirling. And so it was really kind of, and then, Semenya's private medical information leaked. And so there was, it was in the way it was handled, I think, and, and mm -hmm. in terms of being unfair to this individual. Yeah. And you have to understand that in poor countries of the world, somebody who's intersex, it might not be flagged right away when they were born mm -hmm. because they weren't getting the medical help they needed right then when they were born. Whereas in North America and Europe, if you are intersex, it's flagged immediately and immediately either, you know, like some sort of medical intervention happens so that it's much clearer that you're either the male or the female that your, you know, your genetics implies, right? So it's, it's not a surprise that it was somebody from a developing country mm. that end up showing up and being intersex in the sport because basically Semenya just was never examined until she became a world-class athlete. And, and then it became too awkward and, and judge, you know, people were worried about being called rate, you know, racist and all kinds of things to just make a judgment call about whether that person should be in the women's uh, category or not. So it got really a lot of um, handled poorly to the point where 
Semenya's human rights were violated in many ways. But, you know, by having Semenya in the women's race at the end of the day was also violating the human rights of a lot of the 800 meter women runners who were trying to compete with, you know, what it turned out to be was a biological male when they finally took it to the world court for sport. They finally, finally emerged that yes, indeed, Semenya was intersex DSD 46 XY. And so, you know, <clears throat> we can deal with these really tricky issues, I think privately in sport, but again, going back to your, um, premise of who's, who's to say who's a male or female. Uh, I think that needs to be still there. I think we still need to have a quick test, whether it's the buccal cells of the cheek. Um, it doesn't have to be demeaning. I don't think it violates anybody's human rights. It protects the female category. And frankly, I haven't said this often, but now with the COVID testing and the COVID, um, like the, the methodology and, and the technology, all the COVID test is, is you're matching a piece of DNA from the virus to, you know, to the strip. And you're just saying this piece of DNA is there. So obviously you have the virus. <clears throat> so how hard would it be then to then develop a quick sort of even some saliva on a piece of paper that says, oh, well, the, the Y chromosome is there. Like it's, it can't be that hard. We have the technology. It's just a matter of now the way the, the debate is framed is, oh, well, that will be violating somebody's human right to really know they're male. You're not supposed to ask. God, you mean they just want to live in a fantasy world and not, you just continue to deny reality, obviously. You can't have reality in the fantasy realm, made up world. Yeah, I completely agree. Everything you're saying. Um, <laughs> my husband read this article about, it was ridiculous. It was some Utah uh, lobby thing, whatever. I think I have an article somewhere. Not that it's like completely relevant. Blake, who is it? Blake Hansen. Uh, it's just this like pity story. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Everything they won't tell you about the transgender athletes, blah, blah, blah. Wasn't right. accepted in their life. Just weird thing. Uh, just the stuff they were saying. I've never won a race. I've never taken a sponsorship or prize away from any other girl. But when I do, you better believe I earned it just like anyone else. Anyways, it's a dude and uh, women's yeah. sports. So my husband was wondering, where do trans activists get the following statement from? And this is from that article written by Blake. Okay. Sci quote, science has proven in every study done that after some time on hormone therapy, the athletic advantage once present disappears. Where do they get that from? <laughs> I don't know where they get it from because seriously, um, world rugby did uh, a survey and, um, and I will even tell you the results there. Okay. <clears throat> so of all the 12 studies in the history of, um, yeah, of science in terms of measuring performance pre transition and post transition, mm -hmm. um, there's only been 12 and Emma, Dr. Emma Hilton and Tommy Lundberg just um, in December, 2020 uh, released the results of their total literature review on that. And in virtually every study, um, even if it took three years, even if they had hormone therapy for th up to three years, it did not change the advantage substantially. For example, um, lean mass. Okay. So men generally, um, have, uh, 
uh, lean lean mass, um, which is 45 uh, or even 50% higher than women. But then when, when they remeasured the lean mass after a few years, a year or two, three years of, of hormone replacement therapy, where they reduced the testosterone levels, that percentage only dropped to like, instead of having a 50% advantage, the men now have a 45% advantage and, um, strength. So you had like up to 60% men have 60% advantage in strength. Um, and with hormone therapy after a year or up to three years of test of reducing the testosterone, that only dropped 9%. So they went from maybe 60% advantage to 50%. And, and the, you can go that, do that over and over again. The only thing that dropped to near uh, female levels was hemoglobin in the blood. So when you reduce your testosterone, it takes a lot of the hemoglobin down to the female range. But interestingly, the running times still are better because um, even though you reduce the, the one molecule in the blood that carries the oxygen, because you have greater blood volume and because men have greater blood volume and their heart has, every time their heart beats, it, it strokes out a higher volume of blood and they have more capillaries going to their muscles, there's still more oxygen being de delivered to the tissue, even if the actual oxygen carrying molecule has, um, you know, like been reduced. So in every way, um, men, male bodies who, who self-identify and even go through the therapy do not appreciably diminish their advantage. And so for these guys to show up and just say, science has proven, it hasn't proven anything. The only study that was that the IOC depended upon to have its 2015 policy put in place was a study done by transsexual or sorry, transgender um, runner, um, Joanna Harper, who is a radiologist works in o Oregon somewhere. And what Joanna did was as, as a male runner, um, Joanna was a male sort of in a, in their, in his 20, her twenties, I'll call, I don't know, well, you want to say he or him, but I say he, I do. Okay. I keep it so, so, uh, he, he was, uh, running in his twenties. He had a certain time and he noticed that when he was 50 and he, he became, you know, he identified as a, as a woman, uh, the running times had dropped a lot. So he got this idea that he would go on Facebook and social media because this was in the 2007 ish mm -hmm. time when social media started, you know, to really take off. And he looked around the web and for three years tried to find other males who had identified as women and who were runners, so distance runners. And he noticed sort of from the world records that, you know, the male distance runners have a, like a 10 to 15% um, better performances than the females. So it's actually, in terms of distance running, it's not even as big an advantage as males as other things like weightlifting. But but okay, let's go with that, 10 to 15%. So then he noticed that his levels dropped when he became Joanna Harper, but also older, running as an older athlete, had dropped the magical 10 to 15%. So he figured he'd look around and get like seven or eight other runners. He could he managed over three years to find seven other runners that were had established times in like pre-transition, and then 
had taken the hormones and or whatever and had now competed in the road racing or distance running um, <clears throat> post-transition. And so he asked them for their self-reported times before, after, which is a big, like, there's no control there. You are asking somebody's. there's like sometimes up to 30 years difference from five years to 30 years difference pre and post. Mm -hmm. So somebody's going to remember the time they ran when they were in their twenties and they're going to remember the time they ran later. And then, you know, all kinds of things that could have changed in their life, their lifestyle could have changed. Um, and of course, aging causes you to drop. So, so he then reports the study that shows that their times went down to, you know, comparable to women of 50 year old women or their age, age grade women. And <clears throat> there was nothing controlled in that study. And then when I looked at it carefully, cause I'm writing a book and I'm looking at it carefully. And what he did was one of the runners, runner number seven in his study, um, had actually done better after transition, a lot better. And he called that an outlier and just got rid of it. So, so the average, <laughs> so the average he took would have actually the, uh, results you mean? Yeah. Like he literally took a, the results that didn't, that didn't conform to what the conclusion he wanted Big and shot. he dropped the one that was the outlier. Oh and so the averages look like they dropped to the appropriate level, 10 to 15%. And even though he left out the one that would have negated that possibility. So then he published it and, and couldn't do it. It wasn't in a peer review journal at all, but the Olympic committee right away, just embraced the study. Like this study proves it all. And this person, Joanna Harper was on the IOC medical committee and they listened to this one transgender person man, and that they to man, a man, they listened to the man and that one male body sitting on the IOC medical commission, 2015 caused the rules to change globally for all the women in the world at the Olympic committee level. So just with this one stupid study that doesn't even show anything. This is a whistleblower if I've ever heard one. God, I mean, that's wow. Enjoying the show? Show your appreciation by supporting my work by becoming a patron on my Patreon. Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash distorted lens and choose a tier. You can also leave a donation directly to my PayPal. Head over to my website, lindsayplatotionart.com. Click on the distorted lens podcast link on the top header and click the PayPal button to show your support. Help me continue to bring you creative endeavors and truths each and every week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your continued support. Now, back to the show. So if you base your whole global policy on one, like, study that's just garbage, yeah. and, and then, once again, it's just like the survey that happened in 1996. You ask women their opinion, you get a bona fide opinion that women want you to keep doing the gatekeeping, but you ignore it and say, no, 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 we believe, we don't want you to feel like humiliated and then 2015 this person comes along male person that has this study as if they're like the gospel truth which anybody could see could debunk that study mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this person's their cause celeb and we're going to listen to this man and and he's been his lived experience matters and it shows that all of the advantages of being male are disappeared with testosterone reduction. So we're going to go with that. And they didn't like any sane person 
would look at that study and say, wait a minute, like we need to do a lot more research before we're going to accept this. Plus, even Joanna Harper himself, like just to his credit, said, I warn you, this is only valid for running. It doesn't say anything about other sports that require strength, require other things, right? Like speed. So even the person who's promoting this falsehood even said, warned against using it to like drawing conclusions about other sports. But the IOC was so eager to go with this. So to me, that just says that they were already predetermined in their brain that they're going to do this because that was such a terrible, like there's no way you could rest your entire global policy on such a terrible and an N of basically seven or eight, uh, like a study that has no peer review. And so, um, you know, it, it's just, um, I, you know, it's so insulting to women that this is how it happened. And, you know, I have two things to say about that, Lindsay, but like the one thing I will say is that um, whenever women wanted to get something from the IOC, so we, were, we weren't allowed, okay, so the first Olympic Games was not, the, of the modern Olympics was 1896, that Olympics didn't have women in it at all. And so then they allowed women in a couple sports like basketball and golf, like uh, just a few sports, tennis. I think it was tennis, golf, and maybe basketball in 1900. Women weren't allowed to run races or track and field until 1928. So the first Olympics um, was 1900 where women were in there. And it took until the LA Olympics in 1984 for women to quote unquote, be allowed to run the marathon. So you look at that, the lobbying it took, it took us 84 years to be allowed for our safety to run the marathon. They were, they always quote safety concerns, yeah, which I never safety. was. What the, which is yeah. Safety. Like women just couldn't, she, we might faint if we had to run longer than a mile or something. So, right. yeah. so when women want something, it takes us decades to achieve it, to mm. actually get that provision in the international Olympic committee. Yet one man goes in there on one meeting and gets what he wants in 2015. Like if you're going to allow a male body into female sports, at the very least, you need to turn over every possible stone of evidence to make sure that that person is not going to have a competitive advantage. And they did the exact opposite. So women's experience in the Olympic Games is we, we have to lobby, 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 push hard, try everything we can to get a little bit of an advance, like in like getting more towards equity in terms of the uh, number of events, like um, I would call it parity. So the number of events that men can do, women should be able to do. So like women weren't allowed to do ski jumping, for example, till, you know, just in fact, I don't know if they still do. I think they do now, but there's certain things like you just in bobsled, there's just certain things where like women can't have the four man or something. They have to have the two man bobsled only. And like, they're always sort of putting in these restrictions that women don't get to do all the things that men can do in the Olympics. But when a man wants something, he gets it like with a snap of a finger. And then the other thing I was going to say is this is a betrayal because um, Alice Milat from France and about like right during World War I had said like, you need to get women in the Olympics and like in races and track and field. And the Olympic Committee kept saying, no, 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 no. So in 1922, she organized the International Federation of Women's Sports, 
and we had our own women's Olympics. So we had our own women's Olympics in 1922, 1926, 1930, and 1934. And because we were having our own Olympics, and you know what? We were filling stadiums. So we had women's only Olympics. We had stadiums full of people watching. And the Olympic Committee got mad that they weren't in control of that. So it, because, because we were doing so successfully on our own without them, that's what caused them to accept us in 1928 into the Olympics in the first place in track so and field. Can, so they can uh, control. So they could control the whole thing, right? And call it all the big Olympics. So the the deal they made with Alice with the Women's Federation was to actually give us respect and equal treatment in the Olympics. And so as soon as women agreed to go into the Olympic Games, right away, boom, men got to do like 24 events and women could only do five. So they only let us still do five of the different running races in the event. So right away, it was like, you know, oh, well, we'll take you under our umbrella, but you're not going to, you know, have the same status as men. So here we come. How all many this... women events were in the women um, Olympics? I'm curious. So went from like the next number to like five in the men's Olympics, basically. Yeah, well, we did all of them. Like we did... Mm. We wow. did like 20 or more, I think it was like up to 20 different mm -hmm. events mm -hmm. that women could do when they were just doing the women's only Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. But then when we got folded into the, the Olympic men's Olympic movement, then we had to get by and just be happy with five. And so, and then it went up from there. So finally, the irony is by two, this is what I talk about in my book, by 2015, finally, the women in track and field, for example, had reached parity. There's just one event, the decathlon, Bruce Jenner's event, ironically. But the decathlon is the one event that we don't all still do, get to do. It's heptathlon. So instead of doing 10 events in the decathlon, the women do seven events in the heptathlon. So basically, we're still just kind of not quite decathletes. So we're asking, you know, what, why? Like, anyway, the point is the year that we get almost exact parity with men, 2015. Mm -hmm. Well, 2016 in Rio, we were at almost almost a perfect parity in terms of the number of events. That's the year they decide men should be allowed to be in women's sports. Hmm. How convenient. So, <laughs> I don't know if it was just by, you know, obviously by mistake or like There's just no coincidences that in my world. Coincidence. So, so my point is, I don't know where we're going from here. What happens next with the Olympic Games? If they aren't going to correct, course correct very quickly... Maybe at some point, we're just going to have to go back to the women's only Olympics and just Probably do our own not. thing. Yeah. I mean, history repeats itself. Uh, exactly 100 years later. That. Wow. Uh, hurrah. I say we don't need them anyways. I mean, we didn't need them back then. So, <laughs> all right. We get the hint. Bye. <laughs> well, maybe we could give women better. Like, the only way you could do it, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. I believe in competition. The only way we could get women to move over to a women's only um, international federation or Olympics for women is by offering better prize money. So mm. if we offered a really good prize money for female athletes, I think a lot of them would come over. Oh, I think we'd be called a uh, biggest and transphobes. Well, but right. at that stage, then we can rate, we can, we could set our own rules about gate, gatekeeping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Great information. Holy crap. I had no idea we even had our own Olympics. I don't even know half the history with all this stuff. I'm well, sorry. that's why I'm here because yes. I feel, I feel like, um, there's so much of this is sort of in the sort of cloudy in people's minds, like why, and what is, where was this yeah. coming from? And, 
And like, I think we just need to look very clearly, like even somebody like Joe Rogan, who is completely in favor of women only sport and female only sport. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, he even talks about how gross the Olympics is in terms of it's basically slave labor. Like mm -hmm. the athletes compete and they're still eating craft dinner and, you know, mac and cheese. And meanwhile, the head honchos of the Olympics are billionaires. Like they're just getting money hand over fist from corporations like Procter and Gamble and all these other companies who are, you know, supporting them to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And the athletes just walk away with, oh, yay, I have a gold medal. And then you never hear from them again. They're poor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we don't have, the athletes themselves are not shareholders in this process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I maybe there's a chance now for a re complete rethink about how, if they're going to work hard, maybe we also have to give them the share of the profits of what happens there. Yeah, you would think. Absolutely. Right, I mean, this is a dream interview because you're allowing me to say things like using the COVID technology and whatever you want. This is why I do my podcast. It's <laughs> that's not about awesome. me. Um... Like the truth is that that whole thing I told you about just now, that's actually that story about the history and women's sport. It's actually pinned to my, um, mm. it's pinned to my Twitter. Like it's my tweet. That's a huge, like, I don't know, 24 tweets in a row. And I talked about the, I saw that, yeah. the progress just of like, and so it, somewhere in the middle there, it t shows like the 19, I even got a clip of the 1922 women's, uh, like one of the competitions I in Monaco see. leading up to it. <laughs> it's funny, awesome. but it was, yeah, it's, what? it's pretty cool. Yeah. What's your book about? And when's that coming out? Tell me. Yeah. So, um, I was approached in June of 2020 to like, maybe I should think about writing a book and, um, it's, a uh, company up here, a publisher and Canadian publisher, rebel media. Um, at the only one, of course, Everybody's going to say, oh, right wing, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? The fact is, it's the only one that would ever ask me to do such a thing mm -hmm. and give me some, a little bit of not financial support, but just logistical support uh, to write it. And so I'm calling this book, um, it's finished now. It's going to be published any day now. Um, the book's title is Unsporting, How Transactivism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sport. And I wrote it with Barbara Kay. Amazing. Oh, that's epic. What a great title. Very, very true. Yeah. So, um, the table of contents, basically, basically I start with, uh, uh, the title of chapter one is fracture her skull. So I talk about Fallon Fox and about the, you know, so I start out with some of the absurdities that we are seeing right now. Mm -hmm. And then I talk about the next chapter is, is ethical mirage, which is my own story where I felt like I was eliminated from the Olympic team because essentially a lot of my teammates were doping and I wasn't good enough because I wasn't willing to dope. So basically I missed my chance to the Olympics because of a lot of doping was still going on. And even though we were testing, mm. so I felt like, um, I thought that was maybe the last of the injustices I would see. And then I went on to become a coach and, and then all of a sudden having this show up, um, exactly 30 years after I didn't make the Olympic team and just like a, here we go again. So yeah. I just described that feeling and what it's like and just, just the whole struggle with trying to think about the injustice of it. Mm -hmm. And then I 
And then I go into chapter three is uh, Zuby strikes gold. They talk about Zuby. I don't know if you remember Zuby's tweet oh, yeah. about the deadlift record. And then just going into more about just about the males and, and just who, who are we talking about here? And, and just talking about like some of the legal things that are happening in the States and the Connecticut girls and, and just looking at um, finishing that chapter with Rachel McKinnon, the cyclist. And then, then chapter four is actually a, a little bit deeper dive into the Rachel McKinnon thing mm -hmm. um, because Rachel McKinnon is a professor and has a lot of, it's been given a lot of um, really a platform to be the spokesperson. And um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, I end that chapter with the idea that's like, did, have you ever heard the, the actual McKinnon's PhD thesis? Have you, did you hear the, the, the title for that thesis? Please. Okay. Know. The title of the thesis is reasonable assertions on norms of assertion and why you don't need to know what you're talking about. That's literally the thesis. <laughs> why you don't need to know what you're talking about when you're making an argument. Like it's, it's just so bizarre. It's, it's almost like a parody. Like it's, I think the thesis is basically wow. the argument that McKinnon makes in, in his thesis is basically you can say something that's not true. Like you can tell a lie, Oh my god! but you can actually make it come true by changing the context of that lie. So basically you can say, well, he's not lying. Jesus. Yeah. Lord. See, like, so, he's just, um, he's showing you all of his cards. Look yeah. Proud yeah. But, but the funny thing is in May of 2020, um, they, McKinnon himself got, a reprimand from the department in South Carolina and Charleston um, of the, from the university department, because um, the chair of the department, literally, I can read a little sentence here. It says like, you have thus far evaded what might seem like the theoretically the most important question. What is it that, uh, what is the normative basis for the distinction between men and women's sports? If you're saying there's no difference between men and women, why do we have women's sport in the first place? You have to explain that. You can't identify into a woman's sport and then act like that, that section shouldn't even be there. Like it doesn't even make any sense. Right. So, so anyway, so we talk about that a little bit and then I go on and talk about the inverse, like when women are transitioning to male or like to men. So females trying to transition to men in Canada, it's weird. What's happening is that we have athletes who are identifying as, as men, like female athletes are identifying as men, but magically they get to stay in the female section because it increases their chance of winning. Well, that's fine. We can accept female athletes in female sports. But when it's a trans person who's of the other sex, when, I'm, when it's male to female, somehow they're also in, allowed to come into female sports. So whether you're M to F or F to M, you end up in female sports. So it's a big racket. Oh, so it yeah, ends yeah. up it ends All up being lines up on our shoulders. Everything. It, yeah. Right. Every time it, it ends up on our shoulders. And of course, just magically, because when you're in that section, you have a better chance of winning. So my, you know, my solution at the end of the book is going to say we should have the men as like men's section should be the open section and women and females should be restricted to female only because that's the only way to have it where you have people self-identifying into a category without having a competitive advantage. So the only way to make it fair is to have an open and a female, right? If you're going to have a binary system. So what they're treating in Canada, they're treating it in the, exactly the opposite. The women's section is the take all. Yeah. We're the guard. We're the, we're not the garbage. We're, we're the bin that takes all. Yeah. 
And then the men are the ones that have the male athletes have their exclusive area. Right. So yeah. it should, it's exactly the opposite of what it should be. Mm. So I just go through, um, of course, like, you don't have to go all over it. I don't think you're just, no, it doesn't look. matter. I'm okay. just saying that I, then okay. I go you into the, then I go into the Olympic thing I, that I just described. And then I talk about the world rugby because world rugby did an amazing thing in 2020 to do a big review, which I talked about how you could see that the transition, like the hormones mm -hmm. do not take away the advantage. And, um, yeah. And then I, the, my last chapter, I had to pull it back from the publisher because I wanted to put in a, a chapter on Biden's executive order. So mm -hmm. I did the last chapter, chapter 12 is on uh, Biden's nice. executive order. So, um, so it's back at the publisher and we're going to get it to come out, you know, as soon as we can. Amazing. Is that going to be yeah. available? Like on, I don't actually, I shouldn't use the phone. <clears throat> so I never mind scratch that. Well, um, I think what it is, is the, the publishing company, I would suspect Rebel Media will probably just sell it directly from their mm -hmm. web, like wow. from their company, instead of trying to go through Amazon or something. I no, suppose it's going to be it's completely blocked. Like the minute it's going to mm. be oh, <laughs> yeah, listed. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for the publisher though. I don't know what they're yeah. going to do with it, yeah. but um, I would. No, it's the better thing to do anyways. We don't need to support that. I would suspect that any day now the, the cover will be out and so um, for like pre-sales. Oh, so amazing. keep yeah, your fingers crossed. Like, yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's go on with more questions here. How do you feel about the increasing number of states that are legislating to protect women and girls as sports? Legislating to protect. They are. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I yeah. get it. Um, so let me just explain really quickly because Karadansky has done a good job uh, of explaining um, what she says. The... Hi, by the way. Hi, Kara. <laughs> Um, she's done a good job of explaining on, on different mm -hmm. programs. Um, the fact that just because a president has an executive order doesn't mean it changes the law. What it really yep. does is it changes the interpretation at the, in the government departments. So mm -hmm. what, what Biden is asking people to do on his very first day in office, he's, he's, he's saying to all federal, um, agencies that whenever you see the word sex in your legislation or in a policy, you need to read, instead of reading sex, like biological sex, you need to read gender identity. So basically, even if it came to something like, for example, in Canada, we have like, you know, coaches have a code of conduct, which is you can't have sexual assault or sexual violence, you know, mm -hmm. sexual violence. Well, what does gen, if you replace that with gender identity, what does gender identity violence mean? What does, what does general gender identity assault mean? Like it, that means that they can interpret even somebody's words to mean that you're breaking that law. Right. So um, so what the states are doing is basically saying, nah, -uh, we, we run our own lives. Mm -hmm. We're going to have our own bill where we protect our girls on the ground in each state. And so far there's like been up to 24 states that have said, no, 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 We're going to interpret title IX the way it should be interpreted, that it should be female only sports. And what they're saying is, to me, looking at it from afar, it looks like the states are telling Biden, no, you're the one breaking the law. We aren't. Yeah. So if if that's the way they're saying, if that's what they're actually doing, then you and I both know it's going to end up in the Supreme Court. Somebody's going to do another challenge mm -hmm. and the Supreme Court's going to have to rule because if the federal government would suddenly not do the $500 million transfer to Montana, for example, uh, the education transfer payment. So they basically, you don't get your grant because you're not allowing males to compete 
according to gender identity or something in your school system, right? Yeah, like if said, or they they always do the threatening money thing. I've yeah, yeah. Like they they could actually it could cause. I mean, Kara said this at one point that it could actually cause. It, she just used the state of Montana as an example, but mm. I think it was like four hundred and fifty-four, some some sort of million, like four hundred level or five hundred million level of money that might be withheld if if they don't abide by the dictates of the policy and that executive order. But the thing is, if that would happen, I think Montana could immediately, and why wouldn't they take it to the Supreme Court and say, this is not right. Like we are complying with the law. We are in compliance. It's the executive order that's not in compliance. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how it's going to not be, uh, how there's not going to be a Supreme Court challenge. And, you know, people might be negative because the Bostock decision about Title VII said, you know, you can't discriminate on the basis of gender identity with respect to employment. But they did say in that ruling that it wouldn't be the same for other things like Title IX. So I'm not convinced that if it went back to the Supreme Court for Title IX ruling, I'm not convinced that the Biden administration would win that one. Mm. And so I'm really looking forward to it. And I have a lot of hope that if more and more states join the bandwagon and say, listen, listen, you can say that all you want on your executive order, but we're going to do our own thing on the ground. Um, I think it's just a beautiful example of why the United States is a great country because states, it's a federation of states mm -hmm. and each state is a union of states and each state still is responsible for themselves. And I think it's time for the states to assert themselves. And I love it. I love the fact that these states are standing up and saying, uh-uh, this far, no further, because we see that you've basically lost the plot. Yeah, totally. So I think it's that. great. I'm really happy. I'm so excited. And even if, like in New Mexico last week, it was sort of died in committee. I did a. I, I was. That's actually you know, the next question. Someone said, "Yeah, the next steps for New Mexico and women's sports. What can we do?" I think you can just, if people are on the ground in New Mexico, propose a new bill. Put it back on the table because this one, the the one that was just overruled this past week, um, I think people should know that what happened was almost everybody on that committee had a family member who was trans, and so they were taking they were taking the sports issue as a direct assault on their family or something, which isn't not it shouldn't be that personal like. We just because we want sport to be female only doesn't mean we don't want kids to participate in activities at school. That is the farthest thing from the truth. And that's how it keeps being framed. It's it's being framed like if you don't take a young man into a woman in a girl's sports team, it's all over. They don't get well, to do they don't anything. Say that. They make it very clear that they say trans girl or trans woman to they keep using the woman you know, trans woman and women's sports. It's like, yeah. it's not a woman though. Stop yeah. using this language. It's so dangerous. And this is also obviously manipulation of the language to have people fall for this. Cause I, I just feel like people know the word woman much more than the word transgender. So they just kind of hone in on woman, woman. Well, that's not fair for that woman. Mm -hmm. It's just, ah, well, as you probably that. saw, as you probably saw on Twitter, I, I made a chart of all the comments made in that committee mm. and they, you know, it's gone to the point where the activists basically say, if you bring up woman, you bring up biology, you bring up anything, it's hateful. So we're not allowed to even say what biology the reality is. is. Yeah, It's bigotry. So basically, 
but what I what I don't like also is a lot of the even the the conservative articles is banning trans from sport. No, we're not. Exactly. We're not banning anybody. Yeah. We're just saying you have every right. If you're a male and identify as a female, you have every right to compete with the boys. Yeah. I mean, you, you we're not banning you from anything. We're yeah. just saying sports is still divided on the basis of biological sex and you can identify. In fact, I would actually make the argument that it doesn't help trans, uh, let's call it trans, you know, even if we said trans girls, but males who identify as trans, mm -hmm. it doesn't help them to be in girl sport. I'll tell you why. Because those Connecticut boys, the first two might feel special and get a lot of attention. But as more and more boys, like all it's going to take is another year or two, more boys see the attention they get. Now they join. Yeah. So now they self-identify as, as female or women to the point where the entire race is all males mm -hmm. and they can't, then they don't feel affirmed anymore. They're not going to feel affirmed. Like the whole point is they're trying to feel affirmed. <laughs> So if it's all, if it's all male, then nobody feels affirmed and, and then they'll walk away because it's very clear to me, the only interest they have in putting the opposite sex and self-identifying into the women's sport is because they want to feel loved and accepted and affirmed for their new identity. So they're using sport as identity therapy instead mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. uh, instead of just wanting to compete like that. So, um, so what I would say is what's more powerful than that is to be uh, presenting as a, as a woman, but running in a man's race. Like you would literally stand out. Yeah. You would literally say like, I am male. And a lot of the, what I love about my friends on Twitter who are trans, like um, Miani Bagger from Australia, who they are transsexual, but they're saying, look, no, I'm male. I understand yeah. I'm male. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, I wanted to identify as, as a woman. So if you're honest, they can say, look, I've chosen to identify as a woman, but I'm going to go in the men's race. And you could actually still get way more attention because yep. if people start asking, what's that woman doing in a man's race? <laughs> they could say, well, I'm a trans woman. Well, fine. Yeah. I mean, that's and then you are special. But, but you're not going to be special after the first or second generation in a women's competition because you'll never be affirmed. Everybody will lose interest and walk away. Yeah. I don't, I think half of it is, uh, is affirmation, but I really think it's just outright cheaters. I found this, uh, open door to just do this and cheat. I don't know. I mean, it's flat out to me. It's just flat out cheating. Um, yeah. I, do, I mean, I obviously, I think it is some affirming their I'm trying their to get a, give them the benefit of the doubt I think because yeah, yeah, in yeah. that in I that mean. committee meeting in that committee meeting I heard a lot about you don't they're not going to be loved they're going to be excluded that's so, not yeah. what this is about it's not what this is about it's not sport oh listen let me tell you this sport is the one area in life where you hear no a lot no you didn't mm -hmm. make the team no you didn't make team captain no you lost that competition no 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 Sport is, if you want affirmation, mm, mm. sport is the one area where you shouldn't even be because <laughs> sport is, <laughs> sport is more devastating than, oh yeah, it's because, rough. oh, it's rough. And so to go into sport and, and I think a lot of the activists, I don't think they, I don't think they've watched sport in their whole lives. They're just using on. sport now as their next platform to try to sort of spread their message. And I get that feeling distinctly that they're just using it as, mm -hmm. as sort of a platform to say, look, you know, this is, 
if, if, you know, we can try, we can identify into anything we want, but you know what? The fact is, is that for a kid to actually identify and do all that and, and try to, you know, like sport is the wrong venue for, I would call it psychosocial therapy. It's not, sport is not your psychosocial therapy session. Sport is where you compete and it's brutal. So stop using it for your whatever. It's not therapy. It's, it's, it's actually fun, but you know what? You have intramurals, you have, um, orienteering, you have pickup actual therapy. You have no, but yeah, but you have so many other things that are just fun community. Like you can do a pickup game of, of ultimate Frisbee. It's so much fun. Men and women compete together all the time in Frisbee. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and so there's so many areas where you can be accepted. It doesn't matter what your gender is or your sex or whatever. You just pick up this game. Everybody has a good time. Why are you picking sports where it's like the prizes and the really serious com- competition? Because men want it all. They don't care. I guess. Like, it's just to me. Psychopathy. Like, so no I have learned my lesson. Like the New Mexico thing really opened my eyes. And what I feel mm-hmm. like we need to do is to really make it clear that no matter whether you have a family member involved in this. This is about fairness to the girls and their families. Um, it's about the place of sport in society and and the types of like the the realm of sport and why it's so unique compared to doing your intramurals or your lunchtime pickup game. Mm-hmm. We're not saying they can't play that. Yeah. Like even in track and field, when we compete, we compete very seriously as males and females. But you know what? My entire lot track and field life. Males and females always train together. We always train together. It's very inclusive. Like I remember my coach saying, okay, me, Linda Blade, and and like one other girl and then two guys had to run this hill sprint. Hmm. So my coach would send us off, give us like a 10-yard or 20-yard head start, and the boys would chase us down. And that was – the incentive was they had to try to catch – up to us and we had to try to make it so they'd never catch up to us. So mm-hmm. there were like so much fun, like where we would adapt to the differences between the two sexes, but we were still running against each other, but it was just like for fun in a comp in a, in a training environment. Mm-hmm. And so we all, we did, we did all our drills together. We hung out together. So there's not exclusion there. Even if they were on the men's team, they could hang out with the girls. They could hang out like maybe not the locker rooms, but they could actually, you know, like they could hang out and they could be fun. Like they could have fun. But when it comes to actual competition, there has to be rules of the game or it doesn't, it doesn't even qualify as sports anymore. Yeah, exactly. And they're not getting that. Like this committee was just so focused on the fact that they were so convinced that we wanted to do harm to the poor trans kids. That's just not what this is about. No, not at all. I know they keep framing it in these very disingenuous ways as usual. Yeah. It's uh, exhausting. Next question is, um, ask her to talk about the disingenuous language around this as if, uh, quote, trans are not included. Actually, you just said this. Or being I did offered, say that. Yeah, or being offered fair opportunity to compete. I think not enough people are noticing the language of inclusion actually excludes women and girls. Yeah. So that was what one of my uh, videos that, that the one, actually, that's the one you asked, you talked about. Um, So basically what I was just saying was um, um, when you make uh, the, when you use the word inclusion and you actually have everybody in a big category, if you think about ages, so let's say you had a, 
you know, a massive race, like a road running race where it was all ages. So kids and adults, and you said, well, we're going to be maximally, maximally inclusive and not worry about what age you are. Um, of course, you know, the, the mature adult person would win and then all the little kids would lose. And why would they ever want to run that race? Because it's by having, by, by having layers like stratification where you have, you have layers and categories and like in boxing, you have weight levels and weight divisions. Uh, and when you have layers, um, people within those levels have a better chance of winning. That's why we separate sports into different categories. And so when they say to be inclusive, we should have like no difference between men and women. Like, you know, basically anybody can just self-identify into whatever you're basically saying we're just one big category males and females together which means the men will always win and the women won't win at all so then the women will just walk away and i mean sport isn't for them then so really what i my point was when you use the word inclusion in that way you're actually excluding people so your language becomes completely like like inverted right inside out Right. So basically that's, that's kind of my key point with that. And, um, <laughs> I just, I just find this whole thing hilarious because everything they say, I had a chart here somewhere where, oh yeah. So I'm going to read you some words and the yes, inverted please. language. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here. So what the, what the term is, so I'm going to give you the woke term and then I'm going to give you what it actually means. So gender means anything, but never biological sex. Inclusion means exclusion of female persons, their opinions, their rights, their placement of podiums and their teams. Meaningful competition means loss of meaning in women's sports because male athletes are now allowed to participate. Misgendering is actually telling the truth about one's gender and sex. Safety means danger, especially in contact sports where the probability of serious injury to a female athlete is what happened in world rugby. This is their conclusion. It, the serious injury to female athletes will increase by 20 to 30 percent if you include a male athlete tolerance the when woke says tolerance it means intolerance to any female person's opinion about her sex-based rights to fair play and safety when you say woke it means actually that you're myopic you basically don't see it sports leaders completely ignore the concerns of female athletes so they're not woke they're actually closing their minds to what female athletes need and when you say woman, it actually means anybody of any sex, gender, or creed, and it's wide open. So everything they say, in fact, in the New Mexico thing, I'll tell you something. That time when I, last week. I haven't heard about this, by the way. Um, what? Anything, the New Mexico anything. Okay, so then I was a I was basically a witness for the bill, hmm. protect women's sports bill in New Mexico this past Thursday. And so basically, if you go back to my timeline on Twitter, just with like two days ago or a day ago, I just listed all the comments made on that sheet. Like there was a big bunch of comments made by the the people who were opposing the bill, who, who were thinking we were attacking their poor trans kids. And um, you, the comments were unbelievable. And one of the things that I said, and I, I obviously I have to watch how I frame this the next time, but all I said was in my testimony, I said, my point was biology matters. Okay. So biology matters. And so just like you wouldn't tell a farmer that like a bull, that a bull will become a milking cow by thinking a few key thoughts, you won't convince me coach blade that some young person thinking some woke thoughts are going to, or like, I didn't say woke, but just some self ID thoughts 
are going to change their biological sex from male to female. I say so don't that, censor yourself if that was like a problem. I'm like, no, no, a, no, no. I'm going to tell you what they out, said. Like, I'll tell you what they thing. said. Yeah, It's a good thing. But they said, and part of their response to that was they were that that we were comparing their children to small far, to farm animals. <laughs> they always reach and they pick, a, you know, cherry pick. They just, they're so, <laughs> I got to give it to them. They're pretty imaginative. Not that one, but some of the twisted mental gymnastics is pretty clever at times. Yeah. Like, wow. What a reach yeah. that is. Come on. Oh, right. Stop. So all, the point I was making was that <laughs> any biological creature isn't going to change their fundamental nature by thinking something. And yet, oh no, like, no, now you're saying we're farm animals. Are you really, are you I'm kidding me? Point. Trying to from the <laughs> so we're all point. part of kingdom animalia. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Like we're all animals. Fundamentally, you and I are mammals, right? Like, yes, we have an advanced, you know, intellect and all that, but fundamentally we still male or female, like that's how biology works. And, you know, frankly, after you were all dead and gone, Biology will just continue. Biology is just shrugs at us. Like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah, that's such a great... We're yeah. just going to move on. Like, biology just says, okay, well, whatever, 2021, guys are ridiculous. Like, by 19, you know, by 2050, there's still going to be a male and a female having sex, having a baby. Like, nothing's going to change. Remains, like, no so, you know, we can be all upset because it does affect our lives right now. But frankly, biology is just going to win the day. And so, you know what I say? All these white male billionaires who are trying to change everybody's minds, you know, the joke is on them because they're going to spend all their billions of dollars trying to change the reality. And at the end, all their billions that they've spent for what? Biology just shrugs its shoulders and carries on. Like they're not going to change any damn thing. So I don't know what they're trying to do. Brainwash the... Uh the globe well temporarily i guess i i know it exactly what you're saying and i i, I believe that too where i just it's, i feel like it really is inevitable it's gonna you know sandcastles are gonna come crumbling down of course um and you know so i have a great deal of positive like i hope i have a lot of hope and a lot of faith that mm -hmm. we can go through this crazy time yeah and at the end of the day we're going to look back and say hmm that was a thing wasn't that weird yeah that was crazy yeah i mean look at how much we've already overcome in the history of the world the last hundred years that is that's crazy stuff already i just wish uh, they'd so spend their billions on more productive things is all i'm saying maybe world oh. hunger yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean come on else but that yeah so yeah right is founded in reality exactly it is because you can't transition to the other sex it's and it's just it. causing trouble in, in society for no reason at all white yeah. just to support their little personal sort of ideology i don't know it's weird yeah, hundred um, percent. Amy says, uh, "Please give her my love and respect." And I said, said "Hi." And then someone else said, "I don't have a question, but I would like to, her to know that I appreciate all that she does and her bravery in doing so." Aw, uh, that's 100%. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I mean, you you have a whole knowledge pool of you know your brain is fantastic. That was really <laughs> a dumb way to say it, but full. I'm excited for your book. It's 100%. full. It's too yes. full. It's blowing my brain. I've had to look up too many different things. All of us have, honestly. As soon yeah. as you become aware of all this, I've never had to research more about what is sex, what is gender. Yeah. You know, all yeah. it's a lot of research. It really is. And I think that's probably why a lot of people don't understand it is just you have to read a lot, um, and really understand. I feel like the 
what it's been like for women um, yeah. since the beginning of time. I think that's been a huge part of it that yeah. people are just not aware of. Even myself, I had no clue. I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, well, me too. I'm still learning. And you know, the truth are. is I, I took those notes on the New Mexico meeting last Thursday because I sincerely, like, I want to hear one good reason for their ideology, like things, something I haven't heard that yeah. maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, right. maybe there's just something I'm not getting. Right. And I'm listening. And I took all those notes because I was hoping for one gem of an idea that would help maybe resolve this thing or help me understand why you think that that would be in any way fair uh, to self-identify a male into female sports. And I still, all I hear is gaslighting. I hear people turning words and like what my words are. And yeah, now I'm, now I'm calling them farm animals. Um, now, um, you know, we're so hateful. A person said, don't mention even the very fact that you mentioned biology is hateful. Oh Lord. Um, like the That's insanity nice. of it is, but you know what? Turns out that the chair of the committee, her nephew was trans and committed suicide a couple of years ago. And I feel bad. Like I feel so bad for that person. Um, what does sports have to do with that? Yeah. Why is why are we using that experience as like somehow? Because it's empathy. They're manipulating your emotions to get you to follow suit and feel sorry for. Yeah, but and it's I do honestly do feel sorry, but yeah, you don't fix somebody's. Again, it's it's has a completely different. Yeah. Um, solution, you know. Yeah. Um, and 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 why would you be doing this like using sport sort of as your platform to be sort of saying well that's the reason a lot more children are going to be going down this route and or some silly thing like i don't know why we would even bring that up as in the context of a sport debate yeah they're acting like this has been historically a thing that we've excluded them from sports like all of a sudden like, yeah every time I, they bring it up it's like oh it seems like if they've been dealing this with, with this for like his i don't know years i'm like you know what? but i think what it is is the sports thing because it's so clear like the distinctions yeah i think sport has become a proxy for the larger debate mm -hmm. and even rachel mckinnon says that so instead of they don't really care about sport they're just saying you're using sport now to be hateful towards trans people that's not what we're doing at all we're we're defending sports. women we're, we're defending sports right. and we're trying to preserve sport for females and we're not we're this has nothing to do Yes. With some assumption that somehow we all hate, like trans people, we don't. We we want them. Trans people have nothing to do with this, really. It's about the rights for women and girls. Period. Numer yeah, I mean that's you know, that's been the part that's yeah, kind of painful personally to me because I mm -hmm. I don't see that I, um, I mean my children, my husband can tell you I'm not a hateful person. I spend my whole life trying to coach athletes to be better. Um, yeah. I love the my children, my husband. I mean. I, I don't have a hate in my heart. It's not yeah. what this is about at all. In fact, the fact that somebody would insist on putting a male body and put women, female athletes at risk um, by having like Hannah Mouncey, who, who's the Australian who goes into like rugby the and handball bro, and contact. Bro of bros. God. Yeah. Like, like huge body, like just ready to just crush. Neck. Yeah. Just yeah. So male. <laughs> You know what that, you know, what Hannah said is <clears throat> he said, the fact that we object to his presence as a large body is sending 
women. It's fat shaming women. And we're, we're telling women who are big, fat, <laughs> that, that oh large women aren't allowed in sports. And I'm like, what? You really said that? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's just like turning every single thing into some negative, like we're, we're, we're demeaning somebody. And yet there are the ones, it's like the opposite list I just read to you. There are the ones who are literally like you talk about farm animals, right? What's more like treating women like farm animals than calling them gestators and egg producers and, Mm. and, um, you know, lactating machines and things like that. Yeah. I mean, everything they say that we're doing, they are the ones doing this. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I've noticed that everything, yeah, literally everything. And even the terminology and whatnot is, that's why I'm like, this is the biggest projection movement ever. Yes. Like everything they say about us is literally what they are doing. I'm like, that's right. What's so fucked up because people don't really look beyond tweets or headlines and they really believe it. Yeah. But listen to them. Like I have come to the conclusion that I listen carefully because when they accuse our side of doing something, then they're telling me that's exactly what they're doing. Yes. Yes. I've noticed that. It's everywhere. Yes. Yep. It's, it's very amusing. Isn't it amazing? Um, like it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. They can't even, I feel like it's just reality, uh, finding a way to, uh, show it's, uh, still there. Like in a sense, uh, yeah. you can't hide it. Like even they are saying it and showing their cards. I keep saying that. But it's so true. Yeah. And so I just feel like they think that we're stupid little creatures who yeah. can't see the difference. Yeah. Nope. And we're done with that. We're, we're done. It. We're so done with this. I hope they understand. We are done. Like there's we're no amount nice of bullying. Too. It's not about, this, we're over being nice. It's not about, I'm not saying we're sitting here being mean, but this whole, no. like, oh, just be nice. Gosh, you know, it's like, no, we're done with that. Like you need to listen. Yeah. And so when they say that, then I turn around and, and just copy because now it's my turn to tell them you be nice because that's exactly what we should do. I mean, it's just complete mirror image, you know, in, in molecular genetics, you have this thing called chirality, where it's just like mm. your right hand, and your left hand, you put them together. They're kind of like opposite mirror images. Mm-hmm. So it's just a chiral. It's just such a chiral experience. Like everything they're saying, it's like, it's what they're doing. And it's, and we can, reflect right back at them that they're doing the exact same thing. They're being hateful to us. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, you know, nobody has like the monopoly on virtue, you know, <laughs> and, um, but yet people like leaders in sport are being just way too afraid to call that out. And I don't know why. Great question. Um, because people are just, I think, terrified of being called names or, Mm-hmm. whole lot of cowards i guess yeah i mean my i mean the guys that i always have to deal with in terms of sport policy i mean mm-hmm. they're really afraid they're really afraid and i don't understand where like i don't understand i don't understand where that comes from because it's our job to set up our policy it's our job um and it's because we've not had good leaders in the sports realm, uh, like coaches are just willing to go along with the lie instead of putting their foot down and saying, sorry, not today, right? No, you can't make this team because they do that to everybody else. Why can't they just say no? Such a good question. Really. So, yeah. So I'm, what I'm saying is my hope is that with the book and with the women's movement and yeah. 
like with more of us talking out and I'm so happy that the women are marching on Washington. I'm so sad. I can't be there, but with the, with COVID like crossing the border is yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, I was there actually for the rally, um, when it was the Bostock decision, like for like, that was October of, uh, 2019. I, I went to Washington and I was there with, uh, save women's sports. And I mean, it was just amazing. Karadansky also organized that one with a uh, wolf. Um, and it was just so amazing and such amazing women, uh, Natasha chart, everybody was there. It was just amazing. And so I wish you guys, uh, ladies, well, are you going to go over there? possibly have yeah. announced it just because yeah 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 fair fair so i mean i just feel like um even if it happens a lot of us are there like in spirit virtually oh yeah i 100%. feel like i feel like the march and, and just the whole momentum um you know i i feel like there's no turning back the clock on this like we're done we're done we can't have this we can't have it happening can't silence us happening yeah well if there's anything else you uh wanted to address or bring up you can absolutely do it well now, but if... i think we pretty much rounded the yeah. corner on it um you know uh i just really appreciate being able to talk to you Lindsay. i mean i've listened to others uh i mean i see i think i've seen you on on youtube right you're on youtube mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and um so i just thank you for your continued advocacy because you know, your lack of fear and speaking out is, is great. And I wish you the best of luck and so everything much. in your podcast and, um, and your projects, because I'm, pro I'm sure you have other projects going on. Um, and like, really, really, really thank you for supporting female athletes because yeah, we're I've just at sports my entire life. Cheerleading. I mean, yes, really? Sport, uh, no, it is a sport. Cheerleading is amazing. It's, it's tough. Yeah. That wasn't the yeah. practices. Um, swimming swim team for years really uh, the only one i'm trying to think uh basketball yeah um i don't know you know sports are very very important you know and there's a very clear it's just this is so ridiculous to the denial of um the facts and reality of yeah. men are just stronger and it's yeah. like people are like oh that's so sexist and like oh you're saying that women can't do what men can do i'm like no not at all but there's an absolute unbelievable advantage that men have and mm -hmm. i just you know i've seen the video of the i think it was what uh, Connecticut, whatever those two yeah. African-American males running. And yeah. I'm like, why is no one standing up going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What is this? So no. see, no. that's my point. How does that's everyone, my... a whole, like a, you know, a, a stands of people sitting there. I mean, obviously I, I was like, maybe people couldn't tell it was a guy from like the stands, but yeah. Or, but that was my whole like, point. What is this? No. My whole point is the officials and the school division who allowed them to set up their starting blocks on that starting line? Like that's, yeah. that's, it's not up to the girls really to argue when it comes time for that race. It's okay. People say people, the girls should just sit down and not compete, but might be their only chance to ever do a race like that. So I think the point is it's the officials and the people like me who are presidents of associations. We're the ones who need to set it up so that the athletes don't have to protest. Like we, it's our responsibility. Nobody should have allowed those two boys to set Never. up their starting blocks on that line in the first place. And let me just say one other thing, because Rachel McKinnon says this all the time that, you know, you look, you stand next to your husband or 
I sat next to mine. There's some couples where the male's shorter than the female. So, so Rachel McKinnon says, well, just because the, since there's so much overlap, there's some males that are shorter than some females and a lot of that so that they should be able to compete with each other because the range overlaps so much. Well, the overlap. So I did this little mind experiment. I went and took again, animals, farm animals, God forbid. (laughs) And I said, okay, so the withers heights, range of horses so the horse height of like the withers which is the shoulders height hmm. and the withers height of cows they overlap so why why not let a horse race a cow like you know if you're talking about overlap we're, when you're talking about anthropometric like human variable characteristics we're not talking we don't uh select for sp- categories on that basis what we're talking about is when you combine the all of the different overlapping features, it make there's actually causing a sort of categorical morphological distinction. So mm. take racing cars. Like you can have a car that has a chassis, the the four wheels, but you have you have Formula One and a stock car, NASCAR. Mm-hmm. You would never put a Formula One car into a NASCAR because it's a completely different category. It's a body. It's categorically different, morphologically distinct. When we're talking about males and females, measuring one variable like height or arm length or whatever, you're not capturing the morphological distinction there. I mean, the those the whole actual morphology and and sort of category is just the morphology is different starting from gestation all the way through adulthood so it doesn't even matter if they would even race kind of the same times it's absolutely inappropriate because it's a distinct morphology we're talking about distinct categories and it's basically meaningless even if they were the same Mm -hmm. they are distinct It's like putting a cow in with a horse. Like it's just distinct, right? Like you, (laughs) so, so it doesn't even matter if there's overlap or if, if the times are about the same, it has nothing to do with that. You actually compete with distinct morphologies and those are the categories. So this whole trans activist um, explanation about overlapping parts and who cares doesn't matter it's it's it we're talking morphology regardless regardless and then yeah like we're not we're talking about clear morphological categorical distinctions and you the first thing and in fact there's six thousand variables that differ between men and women when you look whether it's like the physical external measurements Mm -hmm. their very the physiology their cellular level the machines inside your cell how they function um so there's like thousands of times more distinction between a male and a female than between, let's say, a Formula One car and a NASCAR. Yeah. And yet, you know that the very moment you would try to put a Formula One car in a NASCAR race, everybody would say, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. You're putting a Formula One car in a NASCAR race. Exactly. Because they're not the same bodies. It's not even the same category. So, um, so we have much a greater claim between male sports and female sports to have a distinction in our morphology. And so it's not, that's, this is all to say, going back to the feminists and saying, stop saying that we're demeaning women here. What we're saying is women's bodies are completely distinct as, which is why you're a feminist. 
Our bodies are distinct. Our minds are distinct. Our, our thinking is distinct. Stop trying to say, but if we say we're distinct from men, that somehow demeans us. Exactly. Or that's me. We're not saying we're inferior. We're saying we're distinct. We're a yeah. distinct vehicle. We're not, we're not the same vehicle. So it's, it has nothing to do with demeaning anything. It has the fact that we are distinct morphologies. Get over it. Like, <laughs> come on. I love it. And yeah, these, these men that are parading as women, they're absolutely um, winning women's races. They're absolutely taking sponsorships. From yeah. Women. They're absolutely taking prizes away from women yeah. and, and girls. Yeah. Uh, you better believe I earned it. Just looking at it. I just can't believe that fucking article. It's just ridiculous. It's just, I can't. Can't. Yeah, anyway, I can go on about <laughs> but it. you know, these are, but the, these arguments, <clears throat> it's not feminist to have these arguments because you're basically denying it's the same. It's, it's just so bizarre that to say I'm a feminist, I care about female persons, but female persons are no different than men. So why should we even talk about female persons? If we're all one big category, then why are you even talking about us? Like it, there's nothing logical about what they're saying. These intersectional yeah, feminists need yeah. to stop. Like what? You're not yeah. proving anything. Oh, lib fems and whatnot. Yeah. Lib feminist. Like, what is this? Like what you, the very fact that you call yourself a feminist is because you're a distinct being in comparison to a male. That's what you're saying. There's definitely stop a lot denying of that. feminists. People also don't realize that. And I didn't realize it until I became one. Yes. Um, we are not the same as lib fem and. Yeah. The other well, I don't even know who I am, but all I am, yeah, I'm, a I I'm a coach. Look, yeah. listen, I'm a coach. All I cared about was being a, a woman in sport, female person who was, who was an athlete. Now I'm a coach. Now I'm a leader. And, um, I just want you to leave me alone. Like, please people leave sports alone. What are you trying to do? Like, stop using sport as your political weapon, please. Exactly. It's a moment I can. I can resolve this. Like I got pulled into it. They came for sports. I got pulled in. I'm speaking the truth. I'm trying to reestablish some logical order here so we can extract sport from this po stupid political narrative and get back to having sports. Like stop using sports for your pol political, like, you know, bludgeon. Like this is ridiculous. And please, like, that's all I'm asking. The minute that that goes away, I can go back to coaching. You'll never see me on Twitter again. I just want to coach. I just want to coach. That's I just great. want to coach. Yes. That's it. All right. Well, Linda, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, is there thank any you, uh, website or where people can find you online? <sighs> just, just Twitter because, you know what, even my Facebook is mostly just family and coaching and friends. Like, I'm trying not to be so political, but I can't help yeah. it. I guess on yeah. Twitter, that's where I let loose because I'm like, okay, here's here it goes. And like, I can't, <laughs> you know, exactly. I just I can't abide this because it's going to ruin us, ruin yeah. us, ruin sports. So... Um, maybe eventually I might have a website eventually, maybe once the book is out and stuff. And so I can share more of the data and like that, uh, mm -hmm. it's not up yet, but, no and I don't even want to say the name cause I don't want some activists to start creating some websites for that name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing, is, <laughs> it's just so un unbelievable, but anyway, you know what I am appreciative again that so many women are fighting for this so that I think the more effective that the states are going to be in the fight against the Biden executive order, 
And the more effective that the women in general are going to be at regaining our territory, the sooner I can go back to just enjoying sports and not having to worry about anything. And that's just going to be a great, that's going to be a great moment. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Until next time, everybody. I'm sure we'll see. See ya. Bye-bye. The word woman is taken. Woman is not a feeling and not a gender identity status. Biological sex is real. There's only one way to be a woman, adult, human, female. Men and boys experiencing discomfort in their bodies are having an experience unique to men and boys. Also goes the other way. For privacy and safety of both men and women, single-sex spaces are necessary. Women have the right to exist as a distinct class. Girls as Sports is one of the few avenues for low-income girls to access opportunities, education, scholarships, leadership, camaraderie, and self-esteem. Women have the right to speak out about gender identity without receiving threats of violence or intimidation. Women will not be redefined. This is an act of violence against women and children. And yeah, I just really wanted to list those off there too. I guess kind of really nail it home there with uh, why I'm doing all this, really. Uh, That's a small summary, I guess, of why I am doing this. You know, my mom asked me recently, well, um, why are you doing this? Not in a way of like, why, but just curious. And yeah, it's, this feels like a direct attack on women and women's spaces. Uh, I don't want some fucking guy in the bathroom with me. I'm not there to baby them and assist them in their feelings of not being comfortable in their own body or whatever. Like, it's not my fucking job. I don't even know you. Um, You don't belong in, like, men do not belong in rape crisis centers. You've got to be kidding. Like, how insensitive is that? Unbelievable. Like, let's be real here. Men are the ones that rape. Why the fuck would you belong in a rape crisis center? Uh, Like, what? That just, I feel like we are living in upside down world, truly. Oh my God. Oh God, I'm not going to get into the whole fuckery of everything. Actually, I will. I'm going to do a summary. Mr. Potato Head, they've uh, no longer know more about that. You can't even call it Mr. Potato Head. They're changing that. Uh, I just literally saw this seconds ago. uh, Six Dr. Seuss books will no longer be published over, quote, hurtful and wrong imagery. What the fuck? Like... Why doesn't the clown, why don't the clowns like that book? Like, if anything, I think they would like that because it's fantasy world. What the hell? Um, what ha- Something else happened last week that was absurd. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Twitch put out some uh, Wimixen's History Month, W-O-M-X-N. And apparently, the TRAs, trans rights activists, are like, they got all butthurt. And they tried to say that TERFs, you know, radical feminist started that word, you know, spelling woman with an X, but they fucking started it. They they started it to include men in the word woman. I'm like, this is, so basically they got all like, they, you know, went after Twitch and Twitch fucking revoked it. It was like a commercial they put out. I so should have saved it. I didn't realize they were going to fucking delete it. I was like, what? How embarrassing. Like, you can't bend the knee to these fuckers because as soon as you do, now they know that they can control you. Let's see. Uh, Here's their tweet they put out yesterday. 
<laughs> this shit cracks me up. I'm like, they were trying to be like inclusive and use the word womixin because that was a fuck that was fucking made to include males in the word woman, which by the way, ridiculous. We don't need to, to fake this language and make up shit. But then they tried to, the, the activists tried to say that we started that word to exclude trans people. I'm like, why the hell would women, women create this fake fucking term? You're lying. Anyway, here's what Twitch said. While we originally wanted to use a word that acknowledges the shortcoming of gender binary language, after hearing directly from you, including members of the LGBTQIA+, ugh, community on Twitch, we will be using the spelling W-O-M-E-N moving forward. I was cackling so hard. Like, wait, so now we're going back to the real language of a woman? So this has me confused feelings because I'm like dying laughing because they tried doing this Wimixin thing and now we're going back to the real language but now I'm disturbed because clearly transgender people which are men are trying to take this fucking word I'm like no the word woman is taken I don't think so this is also why I don't like saying trans woman I really don't I have a big problem with that uh you're no uh anyway the next quote or not quote um tweet they put out underneath this tweet chain whatever um we want to assure you that we have, and will continue to, work with the LGBTQIA plus community. We're still learning. Our good intentions don't always equate to positive impact. <laughs> but we're committed to growing from these experiences, doing better, and ensuring we're inclusive to all. no. <laughs> Oh, man, the ad was so cringy and also incredibly offensive. That's also why somebody tweeted it out the other day and I didn't even want to look into it because it pissed me right the fuck off because it was these young women, you know, like, I don't know, content creators. Do you know how much I hate the Twitch world? I came from it. I tried doing the Twitch thing embarrassingly. So whatever. I have no problem admitting that. Dude, the Twitch world grooms women to become slutty, like, just hoes. Like, I'm telling you, it's terrible. It's a terrible fucking platform. Women get abused, catcalled, said disgusting shit. I got so many DMs about send me photos of your feed and all this shit all the time. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say about that. I just went off. I don't remember where I was going with that. Anywho, that's a long ending thing there. Um, yeah, keep, keep tuned to my social media. Uh, there's going to be a surprise, uh, in a few days here, actually. Um, so, you know, I'm uh, at distorted lens on Twitter and on Instagram. I am Lindsay Platotian. Um, yeah, never stop speaking the truth, honestly, you know, and I've got to say the more that you educate yourself on these gender identity and uh, the differences between gender and sex and how this affects women and just gen the in general uh, public here and men, um, the, the, the more confident you'll be in um, having conversations and potential, you know, calm arguments with people because if you don't have enough knowledge, you're obviously not going to feel confident enough to engage in these conversations. Um, so I really encourage you to obviously keep listening to podcasts I put out and, um, Listen to the rest of the podcast. There's a lot of other YouTube channels out there. I should really just list them off at some point. I just haven't had time to compile a list. Uh, yeah, never stop um, remaining skeptical, honestly. Um, question everything. 
look beyond the sources that you are being given, you know, articles and whatnot. Do your own fact checking. Um, just learn to be skeptical of everything because I really want you to understand that this shit is, this gender ideology thing has been captured by, I mean, absolutely everything. Academia, um, the DSM, psychology, uh, which is, God, awful. The, the law, the actual law. Um, I mean everything. You know, you go to fill out a form and it doesn't say sex anymore. It says gender. How fucking ridiculous. That makes me so mad. It's not gender. Gender is like how you present yourself. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> I can't. This shit just gets me off every time. Um, it gets me off to a rage. Not like, anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, namaste, you guys. Namaste. Our minister of sport literally said, it's not the job of sport to say what a woman is. I mean, what a weird thing to say. It's like, what if I said it's not up to sport to say what age you are? If a 20-year-old would like to compete with a 12-year-old, is that fair? And in fact, if you made it a age inclusion, everybody included in all ages, what would happen? The oldest person would win, the main like adult would win and all the children would lose. And so what you would do is effectively exclude children. Likewise, with females, if you have a male body in a female sport and, and they win and then you, you discourage all the girls, of course the girls are going to give up and not participate in sport anymore. And I don't see how that's hard to understand. So. What it turns out to be is when you use the word inclusion in the wrong way, include everybody in one big group, what you've actually done is excluded people. You've actually caused people to leave the activity. So that means if we put it the other way, the principle of stratification, when you have layers and you have groups and categories, that leads to maximum inclusion because it gives many more people a chance to win. Right? I mean, that's just how it works. So they're, they're using language and turning the meaning of language upside down.